I'd like to pass on the mic to our pastor, Nathan Lee. Please welcome him. Thank you. Yeah, uh, Chris and Sherry, um, their church <clears throat> is quite high-level music, chamber style, you know, a cappello and like you go to a monastery and listen to it. Seriously. And Chris and Sherry happen to be part of that, their voices. So they got a text yesterday saying, we're missing a lot of our singers. If you're in town, can you join us? So I told them, I said, yeah, I think you ought to go. So anyway, it's good to see you all here. Uh, I had an interesting week of vacation. Uh, it ended rather interestingly. <clears throat> On Friday, my son wanted us to all go to the movies together. And uh, our youngest grandson, Baron, is what, about a year and a half? Yeah. And I, you know, I told my son, Chris, I said, Chris, you know, I'll just stay here and let Baron stay with me. And you guys go to the movies. No, Dad, we'll all go. It was a dollar theater. We bought, we bought uh, seven tickets for eight twenty-five. <laughs> so you can't beat that, right? So we went in, and Baron was good for a while. Then he started throwing a fit, and I felt bad for all the people in the theater. My wife and I finally, Sherry actually took him out and put him in the, um, in the van and was going to stay out there. And I went out and I said, no, come on in, let Dee and I try. So we tried and Dee Dee got him in the, the grandma hug and he finally fell asleep right on her shoulder. And then I sat in the chair and she placed him on me and he was sleeping so soundly. And I was sitting there, it was about three, three-fourths through the movie and suddenly he sat up he looked at me, and then he went, <laughs> all over me. <laughs> and so I get up to get him to the men's room, and he goes again. And this time it sprays all over the hallway. And I'm going, this is just a little baby. Then we get into the men's room, and he covers me, literally covers me all the way down to my tennis shoe. And it's all over everything. And I'm sitting there trying to call my son. He's not picking up his phone because both Baron and I are covered in this stuff now. And um, we, he finally came in and he thought I was the one that got sick because there was so much. I've never seen a little boy, this entire body weight. <laughs> anyway, so that was an interesting end to a wonderful week of vacation that I had with my, my uh, kids and our grandkids. Anyway, it's, it's good to be with you. We're starting out our new year. You can pray for Danny and I. Pastor Danny Perez and I will be leaving Friday to visit CCF Vancouver. We'll fly up there just for the weekend and come back on Monday. And then I'll be with my son and daughter-in-law for about four more days. And then Sunday, next Sunday, uh, not next Sunday, but the following Sunday, we will be flying back to Manila. So you can pray for us as we end our time in the States and uh, we'll be going back to Manila. And I do ask you to pray, especially I'll only have a few days to rest up before we have our leadership conference at C5. And then I'm in charge of the satellite um, retreat that's taking place in MMRC. And some of you will be there. So Anyway, uh, it's good to be with you. I wanted to talk to you about uh, something specific today. Now, I've preached this message quite a few times um, lately. Uh, I developed it a while ago, but um, I thought it was a good time to start because we're starting a new year. When you think of a new year, I hope there's excitement, but I also know there's usually fear 
What is this year? How many of y'all felt the earthquakes last night? Yeah, there were two of them. Yeah, there were two. Yep, yep. It was really, Santa Clarita was terrible. In fact, the roof fell on me and I died. No, I didn't. Of course not. Um, let me show you what we're talking about. The fear factor. I want to talk about fear. Okay? Now, here's what I find interesting. How you view your fear is very different than how you view someone else's fear. Right? Because, you know, like some people are afraid of sweaters. And you're going like, you know, get over it. You know, it's just a sweater, right? So I just thought for fun because I'm, my, my post-grad work is in counseling. And so I do a lot of counseling with people dealing with all kinds of fears. And uh, I wish for me, I'm afraid of flying, okay? Isn't that terrible? For a missionary who now has to go around the world I'm, I'm terrified of flying. I really am. I, I'll start thinking about it Thursday night before I fly on Friday. And when we take off, my hands will be sweaty. I'm acrophobic. I'm afraid of heights. When I'm on a ski lift, because I like to snow ski, when I'm on a lift, all I want to do is jump down. <laughs> really, just to get off. But that's not smart, so I don't do it. Okay? I wish I could just look at myself in the mirror and say, every fear you got, Nathan, stop it. Stop being afraid. Wouldn't you like that? If it's that easy? No? Just two of you? Am I talking to a DVD? Okay, okay, yeah. You got to answer when I ask a question or else I think I'm talking to a DVD. Okay? But for fun, I thought we'd watch this. This is a, a little routine with one of my favorite comedians, but it makes my point about how I wish it was as simple as this. Go ahead and watch the video with me. Uh, Dr. Switzer? Uh, yes, C come in. I'm just, just washing my hands. Uh, I'm Catherine Bigman. Janet Carlisle referred me. Oh, yes. Uh, still being very alive in a box. Yes, yes, that's me. <laughs> Should I lay down? Oh, no, 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 we don't, we don't do that anymore. Just, just have a seat. And, uh, <laughs> and let, let me uh, tell you a, a bit about our, our billing. I, um, I charge five dollars for the for the first five minutes, and and then absolutely nothing after that. How, how, how does that sound? <laughs> that sounds great. <laughs> Too good to be true, as a matter of fact. <laughs> well, I can I can almost guarantee you that that our session won't last the full uh, the full five minutes. Now, um, <laughs> we don't do any insurance billing, so you would either have to pay in in cash or by check. <clears throat> wow. Okay. And, I, and I, I don't make change. <laughs> All right. <laughs> and go. <laughs> go. Well, tell what? me, tell me about the problem that you wish to address. Oh, okay. Uh, well, I have this fear of being buried alive in a box. I just, I start thinking about being buried alive and I begin to panic. Has, has, has anyone ever, ever tried to, to bury you alive in a box? No. No, but truly thinking about it does make my life horrible. I mean, I can't go through tunnels or be in an elevator or in a house. 
anything boxy. So what what you're saying is you're you're claustrophobic. Uh, yes, yes, that's it. All right. Well, uh, let's go, Catherine. I'm uh, I'm going to uh, say two words to you right now. I, I want you to listen to them very, very carefully. Then I want you to take them out of the office with you and incorporate them in into your life. Well, shall I uh, write them down? Well, it, if it makes you comfortable, it's just two words. Most we find most people can uh, can remember them. <laughs> okay. You ready? Yes. Okay. You're there. Stop it! I'm sorry? Stop it! Stop it? Yes! S-T-O-P, new word, I-T. So, what are you saying? <laughs> you, you know, it's funny. I, I, I say two simple words, and I cannot tell you the amount of people who say exactly the same thing you're saying. I mean, this, you know, this is not Yiddish, Catherine. This is English. Stop it. So, I should just stop it. There you go. I mean, you, you, you don't want to go through life being scared of being buried alive in a box, do you? I mean, that sounds, sounds frightening. Yes. Then stop it. I can't. I mean, it's been with me no, since no, childhood. No, no, no. We, we, we don't go there. Just, just stop I should just stop being afraid of being buried alive in a box. You got it. Good go. Well, it's only been it's only been three minutes, so that will be um, uh, three dollars. Well, I only have a five, so. Well, I, I don't I don't make change. Then I I guess I'll take the full five minutes. Fine. All right. Well, what other uh, problems would you would you like to address? <clears throat> I'm bulimic. I stick my fingers down my throat. Stop it! <laughs> Not of some kind? Don't, don't do that. But I, I'm compelled to. My mom used to call me... No, fatty. no, no, no. No, we, we don't go there. But I've been having this dream. No, we don't go there either. But my horoscope did say... We definitely don't go there. Just, <laughs> just stop it! What, what, what else? <clears throat> Well, I have self-destructive relationships with men. Stop it! <laughs> you you want to be with a man, don't you? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm, yes. Well, then stop it. <laughs> don't be such a big baby. I wash my hands a lot. That's all right. It is? I, I wash my hands all the time. There's a lot of germs out there. Uh -huh. Yeah, don't, don't, uh, don't worry about that one. I'm afraid to drive. Well, stop it! How are you going to get around? Get in the car and drive, you you kook! Stop it! You stop it! You stop it! What's what's the problem, Kathy? I don't like this. I don't like this therapy at all. You're just telling me to stop it. And and you and you don't you don't like that. No, I don't. So you think we're we're moving too fast, is that it? Yes. Yes, I do. All right, then let me uh, let me uh, give you 10 words that I I think will uh, clear everything up for you. Uh, you want you want to get a pad and a pencil for this one? All right. 
ready? Mm -hmm. All right, here are the ten words. Stop it or I'll bury you alive in a box. I've decided to employ that therapy into my uh, counseling from now on. So we'll see how that works. No, obviously that that isn't going to work. You know, I mean, get rid of the comedy. Um, you know, I, I I know that people have probably thought about some of my fears. Is just stop it. You know, and I wish it was that easy. I want to talk to you about this because we've got a whole year ahead of us, 2015. And, and one of the saddest things to me that I find is that people actually can become paralyzed because of fear. Yeah? Would you agree? You get so gripped by it that you can't move. Now, let's look at the original, and then we're going to pray. Okay, phobos. What, where do you, what, do, what word do we get from that? Phobia, exactly. That's exactly right. The, the Greek word phobos just means exactly what we're talking about. It means that you're gripped. You're gripped with fear. And, and I want to talk about the fact that there are some good fears, okay, because not all fear is bad. We'll talk about that in a moment. But before we do, um, I'm not going to wait till we read the scripture. I usually pray right before we read the scripture, but uh, it'll be a while before we get to some scripture real quick. So let's just commit the time to the author and ask him to bless us today. Father, just thank you again for your word. Just ask that you would speak clearly to us. Help anyone that's dealing with any kind of fear right now to know that you are capable of taking them through those things. And uh, Lord, even more importantly, I pray that as we, uh, the approach I'm going to share today will help people see that we don't even need to go through that door. We don't need to get to fear because we need to identify what the doorway is that leads to fear so that we can um, be proactive and deal with it before it even grips us. Again, we ask your blessing. Holy Spirit, we pray that you'll find fertile soil in our hearts to plant the word. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. There are healthy phobias. Okay? Let me give you one. That's a good phobia, okay? Now I'm talking about pre-salvation. If you don't know for sure where you're gonna spend eternity, this is a great phobia to have, why? Because this is what drives you to the cross, okay? I hardly know anyone that came to know Christ because they love Jesus, let's be honest. When you don't know Jesus, how can you even love him? Most people I know, including myself, came to know Christ, got into a relationship with Jesus Christ because I was afraid of hell. I'd go to sleep at night and I'd think, I don't know what will happen to me when I die. What's going to happen? And if you believe in eternity, which the Bible says God has placed in our hearts, several places, by the way, Ecclesiastes and Romans, okay? If you believe in that, then you realize this is nothing here. This is spit in the wind. This life, even at best, 100 years, that's nothing when you compare it to eternity. So this is a good phobia to have. Now, once, once you come to know Christ, then what you'll find yourself is, I'm not afraid of death anymore. I'm real nervous about dying. 
because dying is how we get there, right? And I want to just go to sleep and wake up and see Jesus, right? That's the best way. I don't want to be kidnapped and tortured and everything else. Okay, right, exactly. But those things happen. We have Christians being martyred all around the world, folks. And some of them die some pretty horrendous deaths. So again, and that's why the health, wealth, prosperity guys don't really work around the world. They, they make it real good in rich countries, but when they're dealing with countries where Christians are being crucified, it doesn't sell, okay? Because the reality is good and bad happens to both the righteous and the unrighteous. That's very true. So this is a good phobia to have, death. In fact, there's a guy, he pastors a church. It doesn't look like this. It looks more like a little suburban church in Indiana, okay? He's got this lovely lawn in front of his church, and this is the sign. At his church, when you drive up, it says, visit us before going across the street, and this is what's across the street. <laughs> And I was thinking, that's a pretty good point. That's a real good point he's trying to make. Before you go over there, get your life straight over here. So that, that's a good phobia. <clears throat> so how can I be delivered from fear? Well, first of all, you do need to identify the source. And again, another healthy fear is a fear of the Lord. Now, please don't soften that word. Please don't make it, oh, he means reverence. No. No. What, what I mean is the whole spectrum of fear. I want to revere God, but I better have knee-knocking fear. You know, if, if more Christians would have knee-knocking fear, there'd be less adultery. Okay? There'd be less addictions for the body of Christ. You'd think twice before you went and looked at porn. Because you know that God is the one. He's the one person that you don't want to mess with. Okay? Now, I'm not saying it's okay to mess with Satan. I think it's silly. But even Satan cannot do what God can do. Okay? I would much rather be under attack by Satan than being punished by God. Okay? I'm talking as an unbeliever there. Okay? But as a believer, I'd much rather be chastised by my father because he loves me and he only does it when he'll do me good. So, there's a healthy fear. Let's look at these scriptures. Psalm 111.10. The fear, now notice this, the fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. Wow. The fear of the Lord is the beginning of knowledge. Okay, so here, knowledge is the data. Wisdom is how to use that data. So right there, you're getting both of the best. If you fear God, you will be able to take into your mind the things that God considers important in this life. And then if you fear God, you'll also learn how to apply those truths. And I love this last one. The fear of the Lord prolongs life. It does. Okay? If you live a Christian life, you're not mainlining heroin. You're not smoking crack. You're not sexually promiscuous where you can pick up diseases. You learn how to deal with stress. Why? Because you have faith. Okay, so this is a very true teaching on fear. I like these statements. Never be afraid to trust an unknown future to a known God. Corey Ten Boom. It has been said of John Calvin that he feared God so much he feared nothing else at all. Wow, 
I wish I could say that about me. I can't. Now, by God's grace, I haven't allowed fears to control me. But I still have fears. Okay? Someday I'd love to get on a plane and not even be thinking about it. But that hasn't happened yet. But I've never allowed fear to control me. In fact, I can remember earlier, 20-something years back, in my pastorate, my wife said, can we not drive to that state? Let's just take a plane. And she knew me. I'd rather drive than nine and a half hours. But I said, yeah, you're, and it was an hour flight. And we got there, and I looked at her. I said, thank you for encouraging me to fly. Because nine hours of driving is misery. It's not fun. It's one thing when you're going cross-country to sightsee. But that wasn't the case. Okay. Here's what I want to talk about. <clears throat> Excuse me. I want to talk about the key. Okay, what key? What is the doorway to fear? Now, here's what I want you to get from me. <clears throat> this is where we're going today. When you are here, here is fear. It is too late. Now, the Lord can still take you out of it and he'll help you. But you don't want to get here. What you want to do is deal with the doorway that leads to fear. Because if you deal with it here, you won't get here. Following me? No. Yes. Okay. If you want to not be controlled by fear, you do not want to go through the doorway I'm about to tell you about. Because when you do, you're already here. It's got you. Okay? In other words, if you're terrified of earthquakes, you'll find yourself leaving California real soon. Because you can't stay here. Okay? It's like, you know, I'm terrified of typhoons. I live in Manila, right? No. No, if I was terrified of storms, you don't want to live in the Philippines. Okay. Here's the doorway. Anxiety. That is the doorway to fear. And that's what you have to deal with. You have to stand before that door and say, now, how do I deal with this feeling I'm getting that's starting to drag me towards a fear? Okay? Now, Jesus Christ dealt with this. Let's talk about this. Here's a great passage. I'm not going to read all of it. I want you to see the highlighted parts. Life is more. More than what? More than food and clothing. Okay? I know that you are worried about these things. I know you stay concerned about these things. But life is more than that. And then he, he gives them examples of animals. Consider the ravens. And notice, they have no storeroom nor barn. And yet God feeds them. Look at as he goes on. Consider the lilies. What? They neither toil nor spin. They don't fret. Oh, what am I going to wear? Oh, I don't want to get a pair of Lee jeans. I want Levi's. Right? But not even Solomon, he says, was as beautiful as the lily of the field. Now, here's the one thing I love about our God. Look, for all these things the nations of your world eagerly seek, but your Father knows that you need these things. What? Hey, God is not uncool. He knows, not only does he know that we need clothes, he knows that we want fashionable clothes. Now, we don't need fashionable clothes, folks. We need clothes. But fashion is a desire. 
He knows that we need shelter, but we don't need a four-bedroom, five-bedroom, ten-bedroom mansion. We don't. We need shelter. We need food. We could eat oatmeal and do just fine, but how many of us want to eat oatmeal three times a day? I, I need you to see this. Our God is such a gracious God. He does not not care. He cares because he knows that it's important to us. Now, of course, you know the rest of this. He says, but seek first. But that's not the point I'm trying to get to right here. I want you to see that Jesus Christ and God the Father understand that we human beings desire and need these things. He's not cold to us. I love this statement. Look at it. So far as is known, no bird ever tried to build more nests than its neighbor. No fox ever fretted because he had only one hole in which to hide. No squirrel ever died of anxiety lest he should not lay by enough nuts for two winters instead of one. And no dog ever lost any sleep over the fact that he did not have enough bones laid aside for his declining years. Can I give you one that's in America right now? I mean, I see it. Medical insurance. We're terrified. We're gripped. I mean, I know people that are almost immobile in their life because they, oh, what are we going to do? How, how, I don't know. You think Obama's going to fix it? You think Republican or Democrat's going to fix it? Think what this says. You know what's interesting? The last example, no dog. Did you know that Mayo Clinic published a paper? They really did. The dogs cannot be used. You know how uh, animals are used to test for humans, certain things? Dogs cannot be used for testing of ulcers because a dog will not get an ulcer. That's a fact. Listen, this paper showed they did everything they could. You know, yelled at the dog, tried to make him stressful. They may have lost hair, whatever, but they would not get an ulcer. So what they do? They chemically induced ulcers into several dogs. And guess what the dogs did? They laid down till the ulcer went away. See, dogs are cool. You know, it's like, hey, man, chill out. I'm not going to go run and chase the, the stick right now. I've got an ulcer. I'm laying down for a while. See, we don't do that, right? We get an ulcer. We push. We keep going. Got to keep going. Not dogs. Dogs go, uh-uh. Hey, daddy-o, I'm just chilling right now. And, and, and their stomach gets better. We ought to be more like dogs in some way, shouldn't we? See? Because they just don't let that thing continue to fester. Now, we do have a very clear way to deal with this door over here. Okay? Be anxious for nothing, but in everything by prayer and supplication with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known to God, and the peace of God, which surpasses all comprehension, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. Okay? Be anxious for nothing. Okay, let's talk about this. What does anxious not mean? What does it not mean? It does not mean lack of concern. Okay? I walk up and I say, oh, Nanette, 
Insong just got in a wreck. And she goes, oh, it doesn't bother me. That's not good. Okay? So, so be not anxious does not mean lack of concern. Okay? What anxiety actually is defined as is to be divided or distracted. Okay? So notice. You're divided by how? By either trusting God or trusting the circumstances. And when you trust the circumstances, you're, you're walking right through that door. Right through that doorway. Be anxious for what, folks? What's it say? Do you get it? Zero. Okay? Not almost zero. Zero. Okay? Now, now here's, here's the bad part. You need to get this. Most people see Philippians 4, 6, and 7 as the way to deal with anxiety. No. Philippians 4, 6, and 7 is the way to approach anxiety. See, when you're dealing with anxiety, you're already in the doorway. That's why you've got to become very sensitive to the Spirit of God when you start to feel that stomach turn or the sweat or the nerves. You need to right away start to employ this verse. As you approach anxiety, don't wait till you're in the midst of anxiety. Because when you're there, you're very quickly gripped by fear. And that's not where you want to go. Let me take you through this. And then I want to share with you just a, three quick little points on why we struggle. First of all, prayer. Be anxious for nothing but in everything, what? By prayer. What is prayer? Prayer is not a monologue. Okay? Now we need to get this. Prayer is a dialogue. Let me, let me get, I want you to understand this. When you're praising God, when you're worshiping God, when you're just telling God everything about what you think of him, that is a monologue and that's proper and it's appropriate. But when you're praying for guidance because of circumstances, if you're not getting in the word of God, you're not praying. I got news for you. You're not praying. You're just talking. Prayer is, and again, we're not talking about holding the Bible and go, okay, Lord, give me guidance. Chunk. No. You know, th then you end up with some weird thing, right? Judas hung himself. Go ye therefore do likewise, right? now. That's, that's the, you don't drop the finger on the Bible. What I'm talking about is when you start to deal with circumstances in your life, let's take one that Insong joked about, but it may happen for some of you here. You get some credit card bills and you go, ooh, I spent too much for Christmas. Yep, guess what? You can't go back, so it's too late. So now you got to figure out what you're going to do. Okay? Well, as you're having your daily quiet time, whenever you're having time in the Word of God, you should be talking to God also. Lord, what am I to do about this? I guarantee you one of the things, excuse me, you'll find in the Bible is don't repeat bad mistakes. Learn from them. But as you have a conversation with God, you're talking to Him. He will allow the word now again it's not going to be lord do i go to ucla or do i go to usc 
you're not going to find in the Bible, go to USC. Okay? But God will guide you step by step through his word to make the decisions, to take the stands, to have the trusting faith that you need that will keep you from that door. Okay? Supplication. What does that mean? Supplication. Urgent needs. Fervent. Okay? Like a kid nagging. Now, now see, I, I remember when I preached this one place, somebody came up to me later and said, I don't think we should nag God. I said, then you need to read your Bible. Because Jesus Christ talked about a woman beating on the door of an unrighteous judge until the judge finally came down. And he said, that is the way you should approach your father. Not though he's an unrighteous judge, but in other words, continually going to him. Now, I'm not saying the same thing over again. Okay? It's not, it's not vain repetition. Lord Jesus, do this. Lord Jesus, do this. Lord Jesus, do this. No. As you go to him, and you fervently pray for this situation. I remember for D and I, and those of you there that were with us in Manila, most do not know this. But when we, what was it, eighth grade baby? Yeah, eighth grade. Zachariah, my youngest, who's just a great man of God right now. I'm so proud of him. But in eighth grade, it looked like I was going to have to leave the field. Because he hit that adolescent period, and you know, when these kids turn 13, 14, the brain damage takes over, and they, you know, they, they start acting weird all of a sudden. You know, who, who is this kid? Who is it? Remember this nice little three-year-old that used to love me, and now, yeah, okay. And and Dee and I talked, and she said, "Well, we can't live like this." Yeah, I know. Every time I go to Alabang, we're up in Antipolo. Every time I go to Alabang. Oh, the area that's on the other side of the city, okay? And in Manila, it's not like L.A., even as bad as traffic as L.A. is. When you live in Antipolo, you may never, ever visit Alabang your entire life. Okay? Because you don't want to have to go through that. Especially the old days when it was South Suffer Highway. I mean, man. Yeah, South Suffer Highway, baby. I don't know who thought it was super... Maybe Adolf Hitler, but it was suffer. Okay? Anyway, I would go over to Alabang and I'd get calls from my wife because Zach was going off the deep end. Now, he didn't do anything physical, but he'd scream and he'd argue. Well, I had a good talk with him, which I won't go through with you, although it did surprise him because he thought that I was going to use the old missionary. And by the way, if you're in the ministry, don't you ever tell your children that they will be the reason you get out of the ministry. Shame on you if you ever do that. And he pulled, I started to say, I will go. He says, I know I'm going to cost you the. No, 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 buddy. You don't understand. You're not going to cost me anything. God's going to take care of me. I'm telling you, we will not stay here if it's going to cost you. I will take you wherever I need to take you so that you can grow up in our home properly. When you hit the age when you leave, in our country, it's 18. If you, when you want to leave at 18, you can do what you want. You can break our heart. That's up to you. I can't stop you. But as of right now, I'm still responsible for you. So that kind of shocked him because he realized, I'm not sweating this. I'll go back to the States and do something for the Lord there. I cared about him. Okay? But the other thing that happened, and I remember this. 
Dee and I made ourselves, and we didn't make 365, but we made a lot of them. We made ourselves wake up at 5.30 every morning and would pray for Zach. We just go to the Lord. Lord, you've got to, Holy Spirit, you've got to overrule his sinful nature. And he changed that year. It was a radical change. And I believe a lot of it had to do with bathing him in prayer. Nagging the Lord. Please, Lord. Please, Lord. Now he's married to a lovely woman from South Africa. They've got a little baby boy named Titus, and he's a fireman. And uh, he's helping start small groups at the church he's at. So, wonderful guy. Thanksgiving. Notice what I say. Not only for what God is going to do. Now, now look, we got to get rid of this weirdness that's on TV. When they teach, you know, you got to thank God for everything. Be, you know, it, it, you, don't, you don't break your arm and it's hanging there and you go, oh, praise Jesus. My arm's dangling by the skin only. Praise Jesus. Man, you need some counseling. You know, that's, that's, not, that's not normal. No wonder un unbelievers go, what? Praise Jesus. No. What we're talking about is, Lord, I thank you that you allowed this to happen for a purpose. I don't understand it. It really hurts. I wish it hadn't happened. Those are all okay. Job never said, this is great. All 10 kids with one swoop gone. Yeah. No. No worry about college tuition, right? No. That's not what Job was doing. But he never sinned with his lips. He didn't say, why'd you do this? He said, I know I can trust you. So notice what I say. Thank God not only for what, is, what God is going to do, but for the situation he allowed. That's what it means giving thanks for all things. Not, oh, I'm glad my arm's broken. No. But, you know, I broke my shoulder. And it was really hard for me, but I learned to say, Lord, I know there was a reason why you allowed that to happen. It was very painful. This shows trust. It shows our faith. Now, why do we get anxious? Let me share with you this story, then I'll give you three points and we're done. Um, God has a great sense of humor. He really does. I was developing this message when the story I'm about to tell you took place. Okay? I was asked by the Alabang Singles to come over on a Saturday and do two sessions with them. But I'd already been invited to a retreat out in Rizal. But it didn't start till Saturday night. And I didn't speak till Sunday. So Dee and I were going for the week to resolve for that retreat. And I said, hey, babe, you know what? I'm going to do this Alabang thing because I've already called them and they're going to hook up a driver for me. And so you're going to drop me in Alabang, go on to resolve to be. Ruth Mock is very close friends with Dee. Joe Mock and I are real close friends. So these are family friends. You go there and enjoy that Saturday with Ruth and I'll show up later that night. The driver's just going to drop me and then leave. And so she said, great. So she drops me like at 8.30 in the morning, okay? 8, 8.30 in the morning. And uh, I 
talk to her as she's getting ready to drive away. You know, she's my wife, so I love her. And I'm going, hey, hon, could you text me when you get to Resolve so I know that you're safe? I just want to, you know, make sure you're okay. Sure. So she drives off. Nine o'clock comes. I go teach. Taught for an hour. Then they asked for a Q&A, and I said, sure. They had an hour and a half Q&A, which was a great time. So I finish up at 11.30. I'm walking into the office where I kept my phone. I usually don't carry my phone when I'm speaking. And uh, I look, and there's no message. I'm thinking, okay, well, so I text her, hey, have you gotten there yet? Because she dropped me at 8.30. So anyway, I got another session coming. And I'm preparing this message, The Fear Factor, for Sunday. So I'm working through my books, okay? Not my books, but my computer with my books in my computer. And uh, about 1 o'clock comes, and I still haven't heard from her. Now I'm moving towards this door. What happened? You know, she couldn't have gone shopping. It was 8 in the morning. There's nothing open. <laughs> You know, I haven't heard anything yet. I call, I get her voice box, her voicemail, nothing, okay? So I'm moving towards this door and the thoughts are there, oh no, oh no, there's been a wreck. There's been a wreck out on South Suffer Highway and my wife is out there laying there dead on the road, right? You know, and it's pulling hard, man. And I get, I get on my knees and I start praying, Lord, I know you're in control. I know things are, it, you know, it's okay. Things are gonna be just fine. Get right before I get ready to preach, 2 o'clock, okay? I'm really starting to get pulled fast now. Oh, you know, she's been kidnapped. She's in Basilin with the Abu Sayyaf, man. You know, and I'm, you know, I'm just, oh, man. And I've, 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 I, I Facebooked the, the, the camp. and I, no, but no, You know, I Facebooked the girl at the camp. I said, could you please ask my wife to call me? She says, well, she hasn't gotten here yet. What? It's only a two-hour trip from Alabang to Rizal. Come on. It's now two, almost 2 o'clock. No, you know what? I know what. She's come to her senses. She's leaving me. She's at the airport with her passport. She's gone, man. I'm out of here. I mean, I'm going through all those things, man. And I'm just praying, oh, Lord, I've got to stop this. I've got to get up, preach. I go preach. I get done. I walk in the office, 4 o'clock, nothing. Nothing on my phone. I'm going. I hit my knees. Even if she's dead, you're God. I know this. There's no way to get through that emotion, folks. You're going to have to go through it. You know, we think because we're Christian, we won't go through it. Bunk. I'd cry like a baby. I'd feel like quitting life for a moment. But he's still my God. I'm on my knees and it's like the Holy Spirit said, Nathan, just get up and go to the CR. Walk some of this energy off. CR is the restroom, by the way. <laughs> yeah, I'm sorry. Anyway. So I get, you know, the, you know if somebody doesn't know what the CR what is. Is that a, some donut place or something? You know? <laughs> anyway, so I'm walking down the hallway and I'm, I'm praying and I, I can feel it. I feel it. I'm pushing off the door. No, nope, I'm not going to be anxious. I'm scared. Scared's okay. Scared's why? Because may, there may have been something that's been bad. And that's a scary thing, man. Yesterday, all four of us were very scared. We, we were packing up to leave yesterday from our vacation area and Baron went missing. 
And I mean, we're scattering through this. It's a resort and we can't find Baron, the little boy. And I'm going, not the last day ever. Please, Lord. He was in the front seat of the van. <laughs> in the garage. You just said, his mom, man, I mean, Sherry was crying when I told her he's safe. Oh, you know, I, I, that scaring is there. But see, I said, I'm not going to be anxious. And I got back from the CR and I said, I'm going to be okay. Just one step at a time, Lord. I got to pack up and get ready to go. And then the text came. Zing. Hi, Nate. I'm sorry. I've been texting your old phone number all day. See, our phones were only a week old. They're only a week old. Now, let me ask you this, though. Do you think that was a coincidence? No, I don't either. I was developing this message, and my dad said, Hey, Bubba, you're, you're not where you think you are. So don't get high and mighty as you preach this. You're not as mature as you think you are. And he's right. I was getting sucked through that door. And I praise God that I remembered Philippians 4, 6, and 7 because I just pulled on my father's pants legs. Please, Father. And I wasn't praying for her just for safety. I was praying, Lord, please let me be Christ-like through this. I can't let things like this control me. Not when I believe there's a God who has even what's left of it, the hairs of my head numbered. Do I believe in that God or not? See, we say we do, but we don't. Why do we get anxious? Number one, we really don't believe God's sovereign. We really don't believe that God is sovereign. Do you know what sovereign means, folks? Sovereign means God is in control of everything. It does not mean God makes everything happen. I can't tell you the number of devos I've done on blogging lately. On, on my blog, I post them on Facebook. In fact, i got to talk to your computer guy because it keeps getting side-trailed to me. But anyway, used to be you'd go to your website and you'd see my blog there, Okay. I can't tell you the arguments that have happened. I don't understand what's going on with Christian minds because they're acting like, oh, no, no, no. God would never cause evil. I didn't say God caused evil. I said God allows evil. And if you don't believe that God allows evil, then God is not sovereign. In fact, when I disciple guys in my manual called Beginnings, I ask the question, who's responsible for sin in the universe? And every one of them say Satan. Nope. God. Who's accountable? Satan. God did not make sin. But folks, if God had not allowed Satan to have a free will, there would be no sin. It's like this. I take my car keys to my 17-year-old son. He's going to a party. I give him my car keys. He goes, gets drunk, and kills someone. Who's responsible for him being behind the wheel of my car? I am. Who's accountable for the sin? He is. I didn't get drunk. He did. But I'm the one that allowed him to get in the car to begin with. That's what we're talking about with God's sovereignty. Nothing happens, nothing happens that God does not allow. 
My understanding, that terrible accident that just happened last week, there were three Korean missionaries on that plane from Faith Academy area. That's what I heard. You know, Martin Burnham, one night, 23 hours in Palawan, one night to be with his wife for their 18th anniversary. And how many people think it's the Abu Sayyaf that are responsible solely for the death of Martin Burnham? No, they're responsible accountability wise. But it was God Almighty that allowed that to happen. He could have just as easily stopped anything at any time. He could have delivered both Martin and Grace out of the jungles. Our problem is we don't really believe God is sovereign. Now, now get me, this doesn't make it emotionally easier. Do you understand that? When you go through tough times, when you see people you love suffer, when that does not, oh, God's sovereign, therefore I don't care that you got cancer. God's sovereign. No. You're going to care and you're going to hurt. But the difference is it doesn't knock you off your path in life. A lot of us believe God is mean. We really do. I've seen believers turn on God. Notice what it says. For everything there is a season, a time for every activity. There's a time to die. You know, I'm 58. I hope it's not too soon, but it could be. You never know. You know, I, every time I fly with Didi, I have such a peace. Why? Because at least we'll go home together. So this next weekend, I'll be bothered. Right. I don't want to go to heaven with Danny. I mean, come on. <laughs> Do you know how afraid I am of flying? Seriously. Whenever I got on a plane and there was another Christian on the plane, I'd relax. Okay. At least I, God's going to protect him. <laughs> Isn't that stupid? That's really stupid, you know? Because you know as well as I do, I can get on a plane to go to Manila, fly 18 and whatever hours, land, and just as we land, die. Right? God does not need an airplane crash to take me home, does he? No, he doesn't. But if he takes me home, is it because he's mean? If my cash flow quits and I lose my business, is it because he's mean? There's a time for everything. And when there are tough times, folks, most times if you'd see it, God is preparing you to be a better minister to unbelievers who go through the same thing but don't have God to go through it with. Don't you see? We got to go through the same stuff that they do, but we get to go through holding the hand of Almighty God. They're on their own. I don't even know what I'd do without God right now. I can't even imagine my life without God. Look at this verse here. The Lord is compassionate and merciful, slow to get angry and filled with unfailing love. He will not constantly accuse us nor remain angry forever. He does not punish us for all of our sins. He does not deal harshly with us as we deserve. He's not mean. He's not mean. He is judgmental at times. He decides when it's time to judge. Okay? You know, when you work yourself through the Old Testament, be careful how you critically think about God. 
just because the pages are silent about what he was trying to do with the Canaanite people, you don't know if he spent centuries trying to reach the Canaanites. And finally, after enough of their sacrificing their children, every time they built a building like this, they used to seal a live baby in the wall to their God. After hundreds of years of that, he finally said, I've had enough. The Canaanite society is a cancer on the human anatomy, and I'm going to cut it out. And he used Israel. And he says that. Don't think I gave you the land because you're so much better than someone else. I didn't. I used you to judge them. And here's my point. If you doubt that, let's remember, who did Abraham pay tithes to? Huh? Where did he come from? Well, where did that come from? See, what I'm saying is there's no history of it. And yet here's Abraham and he meets this entire city and king that know the real God. So be careful when you look at what goes on in the Old Testament. You go, man, God was really harsh. No, he wasn't. Because you don't know what was going on. He might have tried to do all kinds of things to reach those folks. And they just said no. And he finally said, fine, then I'm going to judge you. Here's the last one. We really don't believe that Romans 8.28 is true. How much is all? Huh? 99%? 100%. For all things are caused by God to work together for what? For the good of those, look, who love God. That's us. Who are called according to his purpose. See, here's the problem. A lot of people do not look for a good outcome. And that's why they never find it. Never find it. I mean, I've been able now, because I've taught the porn seminar for men, I think I'm up to 18 to 19 times now. And I've gotten some very powerful emails that talk about how it helped. And I'm, I'm able to look back now and go, all that sin. It wasn't good. It was terrible. It was horrible. It, it marred my soul. But I've been able to let God take that and now help younger generation of guys who are actually in a worse shape than I am because I started with Playboy, and that's nothing compared to the kind of porn they got on computer now. You can find the good outcome if you look for it. Um, I'm going through RA. Some mornings when I wake up and I'm so sore that I don't want to move, it's really healthy. And I don't always make it, but I do make it sometimes. Lord, I want to thank you. I'm starting to understand suffering in a way I hadn't understood it before. And so when somebody comes up to me and says, I've got this or that, I don't go, oh, yeah, that's too bad. No. Because I'm going, hey, I, I know I know what you're feeling. So what's the outcome? Very simple. Peace. What does that mean? Not some feeling or emotion. Now let's back up, okay? Let's quickly. If we're here, it's too late. This is fear. What's the doorway to fear? Anxiety. Anxiety is that feeling, that sense that you're going, uh-oh, things are getting out of control. What's going to happen? And you have to decide, I'm going to approach this door through prayer and supplication with thanksgiving. 
That's how I'm going to approach it. I'm not going to get to the door and then try it. I'm going to approach this door. And the more you approach that door with that application in your life, the more you're going to be able to say, no, I'm not, I'm not going to that door at all. I'm not going to be anxious. I'm not going to fret. Okay? I mean, for, for me, one of, the, one of the biggest examples that I can ever remember is Peter Tanji when his brother was kidnapped. And he went to bed at 10 o'clock at night. He went to bed. The kidnappers were trying to call him. He unplugged his phone and went to bed. Now, I don't know how I'd feel if I was Peter's brother on that one. <laughs> but I really do think Peter's brother knew that my brother can do nothing right now except just get these guys angrier because he's holding the line on, on ransom. Peter said, okay, I'm not going to wait up for him anymore. And he went to sleep and he unplugged the phone. And I remember the next day when Peter's talking about it, he said, it's like the phone rang as he plugged it in. Where have you been? I was sleeping. Why? Because my brother's in God's hand. See, you think you've got him. But you and he are all in this hand. So here's my, this is Nate chapter 1, verse 1. This is not inspired. This is what I consider peace. A sense of calm. A confidence that he will lead you. And an understanding that he will use everything in the end for good. All of it. Even your sin. Because when you repent of your sin, you learn from it. And he can use it for good. So here's what I leave you with for 2015. Which one is in charge of your day? Now, folks, I'm not talking about a moment. I had a moment that day with Didi. But I did not have a day. I preached twice. I developed the lesson. But I had a moment where I could just feel myself just being swept into towards fear. But I fought it off with Philippians 4, 6, and 7. I went to God and I prayed and I prayed and I prayed. And I actually felt calm and confident before I got the text. I was walking down the hall and it was there. I knew it, okay? No matter what happens, Nate, even if it's an emotional disaster, God is still God and he's on the throne and things are gonna be okay. But you know, folks, some of us have days controlled by this. Some of us lay awake at night controlled by it. So I'm asking you, which one is in charge of your day? Anxiety or peace?